And I think there's something really interesting about, you know, I guess almost like the little errors that happen in painting, the fact that you have these kind of human slip-ups that lead to like the final outcome. So I think that's, that's part of what I find interesting in painting as opposed to other mediums. Welcome to the Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, Aaron S, and today's episode is the first part of a two-part conversation with the amazing Constance Regardso. Constance is a fine artist from the UK who explores the human form and the way it transforms into stalks when placed in water. Her work sits in between the real and the abstract, allowing the viewer to question who they are in relation to her mostly anonymous subject. Perfecto. Okay, so I'm going to start where I start with absolutely everybody, and that is tell us a bit about yourself and how you became an artist. So, um, uh, my name is Constance, and I've I've always really, really loved, yeah, uh, drawing and painting when I got started with that. Um, I I was probably quite obsessed with it all the way through high school, um, and I did it up to A level, but um, very cliche. I was guess I was like the first person in my family to go to university, so there was quite kind of a pressure to go and do like a more typical uh, degree course, which I did do. And then straight out of university from that, I got my first job, which was actually working in administration at a big London arts university. So I think I was kind of seeing it all the time, um, and it really kind of sort of yeah kept me kind of in close proximity to things I I guess I did that job for about two years doing as much art as I could on the side and then I kind of made a quite a big commitment to leave that job and take on a part-time job keep living in London on a part-time salary and pay to put myself through art school for a year which was a uh really tense um quite quite full-on period of time um, but I did it and I, I definitely like, I could see that I definitely improved uh, as an artist and a painter over that period of time. So it was worth what I was putting into it. Um, that basically took us up to COVID. And I've been, I've been toying with the idea of taking some time off art school, just trying to like get on with my, my own work um, at my own speed and sort of, because I was getting to a level where I was kind of producing a body of work that I was quite interested by, um, that I was finding quite sustaining. Um, I'm probably really prosaically a bit of the like financial pressure of the whole situation. Yeah, of course. Um, and then when COVID kind of came around and lockdown, it really just like made that decision quite easy to do. Um, but I also, I'd also kind of said to myself that the work I've been producing, that I would enter it into some uh, like uh, competitions and opens. And I actually said to myself, I was like, if, if, if I get only rejections from, it was six competitions I entered altogether. And I was like, if I don't get a single acceptance on any one of these, that's it. You have to call time. You have to go and like go back and be a be a proper adult. Um, and I was I was like quite adamant about that. But I actually got um, I got selected for all six competitions, oh, wow. and I actually won quite a large award with the Bath Society of Artists. Um, so that was just very like <laughs> it came, I suppose, just in the nick of time, really, and it was quite validating. Um, and then I, I, perhaps that like fed into me deciding to like that was probably around the point where I started considering myself an artist and not someone who just kind of dabbled. Um, leading on from that, um, I kind of kept making my work and I kept working part time. But of April last year, I decided that I would um, 
commit full time and uh, yeah, wow. just keep make art full time. I do some teaching work, um, teaching art as a beginner's class. But I actually think that kind of balances out what I do really well, and some of it actually weirdly feeds into into my work yeah. as a painter. Um, and just a little bit about my work. Um, my work's very. Um, in terms of subject preoccupied with water and putting people in water. And I think there's a lot of interesting things going on with like the the distortions you get in water are so specific to a like very singular moment. It's it's quite different to sort of posing someone to sit for a portrait. So I think that's probably the big thing about it that uh, captures my attention. So that's a lot to unpack there. So firstly, like that's really incredible that you said to yourself, you know what, I'm going to, you know, maybe kind of give this up if things don't really go my way. Because I think the thing about art is that it's such a uncertain career to have. There's no guarantee that anyone is going to really care about what you're doing, um, which I find very fascinating why people would put themselves through that kind of uncertain torture and not really quite knowing. But it's also kind of interesting that you gave yourself an ultimatum and, and what a good ultimatum in the sense of like it worked out so well for you. Um, you know, it's, it's like how important, I guess, probably a question for later on but I'll ask you now but like how important is validation for you as an artist then I I wish it was probably less important and that's probably something that I'm trying to work on internally long term um but it, it, it is quite impactful for me at this at this kind of stage I mean you know you, you you're quite um it can be quite isolating sometimes yeah. doing doing what you're doing um so I this is probably quite candid to me, but I suppose I wish that like all the impetus to paint came solely from like a very internal place. Yeah. But um, getting external validation is helpful, I suppose. Yes. It's just because as of late, especially um, recording this in June is June. Yeah, it's June. So I think what month it is. Yeah, recording this in June. Like, but like at the minute, there's a lot of artists I speak to who are very much like, unsure if they want to create work because you know it's not being seen maybe maybe the instagram algorithm for instance isn't doing you know them any favors in terms of reach and stuff and it's kind of like it always brings me back to remembering that like as an artist before anything you've always created for yourself or you always try to create for yourself first and i think it's kind of a good idea to for artists to kind of get back to that mentality of like yes of course we need other people to see our work because you know obviously you want people to buy what you do you know it, it's your livelihood but at the same time just because people aren't seeing it doesn't mean it's not good. And I think there's a lot of danger if people tie up their work to likes and views and shares, as opposed to like actually how good their work is. I've, I've got a bit of an interesting kind of take on this, I yeah. suppose. Um, so I, I said I started doing art full time in April last year and I did solely uh, painting for about about four months. And I did notice in that time I was getting very, very wrapped up in, in those kind of external, um, you know, figures and data and, and yeah, like really getting quite worked up about those kinds of things and, and sort of feeling quite, I guess, a little bit insecure about what I was doing. Um, and it was partly as well because it is quite, um, it's quite solitary. Um, mm. I was just spending, you know, these very, very long days in like a small studio space kind of solo so I guess you had more time to ruminate on these things but what I started doing that was around the time when I started actually taking on some tutoring work and I do that consistently and I, I teach a I teach a beginner's franchise course um it's mostly um retired people because it's in the daytime but I've been doing that since last what, September time 
And I, I find it really, really helpful using like the art skill to, I guess, offer a service to people that, you know, is very social. Like they, they, it's a lot of people talk in the class talk about how much their confidence has improved as a result. And I think, um, I think part of what was bothering me in those early stages of doing art is you felt like you weren't contributing to anything outside of yourself. That was a lot of, I guess, where that kind of insecurity was coming from. So for me, it's kind of just balancing things out really nicely. Um, offering this service that I can see, you know, it has quite a direct, like, personal impact on people. Yeah, that's actually a really good point, actually. That's a very good point. Because if you create work solely for yourself, you're right. It doesn't necessarily serve anybody else. It's not actually doing anything for anybody else. Um, unless you're creating something that's, like, specifically for people that, you know, that are going to actually want. So actually, it's kind of a, an interesting, I guess, internal conversation you need to have with yourself as an artist. Like, that's a really good, interesting way. And actually, that makes me think about what I'm doing and, like, how I can improve what I'm doing, actually. So that's actually pretty interesting. Um, so what is the biggest challenge of being an artist? Oh, um, for me right now, it probably is, uh, is things about um, about the business side of it and treating it, you know, like owning a like running a small business. Yeah. Um, and that is, you know, I, I want to be able to do this long term, and I want to be able to do this long term because I think the most valuable thing I could do with my life is to make a really like important body of work but to be able to do that and to devote the amount of time to do that um that I would like you to, to be able to do that I need to be able to do it as a economically viable job so I need so, to treat it as a business um so but yeah there's a lot of I mean there's a lot of practical issues around that I'm doing a lot of I'm at the moment I'm spending a lot of time on things like uh websites um trying to do print orders I'm doing my first big art fair at the end of the month um, and they are things that do take you away from the process of, you know, actually painting. Yeah, um, so yeah, I guess striking that balance is quite challenging. And then also it's, it's, I'm sure we'll probably end up talking about them at length, but I have some quite, um, there are ideas that underpin my work that to me are yeah. quite important, but when you start, um, thinking about, you know, like using your art as a business, you have to kind of balance it out with what you think is going to be commercially viable. And it's quite a tricky seesaw trying to dovetail those two things together. Yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's actually a really good point because I think you want to create work that people are going to want, but at the same time, you want to create work that you want to create. And it's like, they don't always go together and trying to find that balance between making something that is going to be commercially viable, but also understood is important. Because like at the end of the day, you have something like art is communication, but like you have something to say through your work and you don't want people to just look at an image and be like, oh, that's a really nice, pretty image because that's not what you're creating. Yes, obviously your work is really gorgeous in terms of like visuals, but that's not the point of it. The point is that there's actually, ironically, pun intended, a deeper level of, you know, kind of thoughts and opinions and conversation. And that's a really good consideration. It's not something that I actually really consider too much. I'm going to write that down for my next interview. Um, oh, actually. Going back to what you said earlier, actually, as well, um, a question I wanted to ask, it's been on my mind lately, just in terms of a lot of people I speak to, um, is that like, so if you're now a full-time artist, which is super cool. That's really exciting and really interesting. But what allowed you to make that jump from part-time to full-time? Um, so there were, some, there were some practical, yeah, practical considerations to it. Um, me and my partner decided to move out of London. So our living costs uh, yeah. reduced quite significantly. 
um I kind of got my I've been very careful in my early 20s because I I had a plan to do this and I knew I would need to um get some savings behind me and I'd reached a level where I you know I knew I had savings that could sustain me if this didn't play yeah. out perfectly um I had managed to get a space that I knew I could work in quite sustainably um at one point all my paintings were being made in the tiny corner of a tiny ex-council flat in Clapham and that probably Um, couldn't be uh, be done forever so yeah um, there were some practical concerns like that and then also I think um Again, I hate that it, it, it came from kind of external validation factors, but a few like kind of mental tick boxes were ticked off. So I um I'd started getting approached by a couple of galleries. I'd had um my first like sale that passed kind of a certain threshold that had been important yeah. to me. Um and I guess having those the kind of um uh, exhibition selections and that uh win with the Bath Society of Artists again just provided the kind of it got you to a kind of confidence level where you felt like you could actually commit to it full-time yeah so that's absolutely perfect and the reason I asked that question is because just at the minute I'm kind of thinking like a lot of the people that follow me or the people that I engage with are either full-time artists or part-time artists and I'm trying to figure out how can I help the part-time artists become full-time artists and how can I get the full-time artists to engage with the part-time artists I kind of feel like I don't know I just been sitting down and thinking about the future of what I do and, and how I can actually help people because obviously the whole point is I want to help people I want people to kind of be inspired but I don't know there's just something interesting about like actually asking full-time artists how they became full-time artists because that's like a question everybody has um and I just thought why not ask that question I don't know it's something I was thinking about the other day um so it's cool and you're a full-time artist so it's perfect it works out very well because I don't know like I don't know about you but I'm always very surprised because people who I think are full-time are not and people who I think are part-time are full-time it's very, very interesting. I'm always very surprised. Yeah, no, it, it can be quite, um, it can be quite surprising. And I, I think sometimes some of the people that I, I sort of, I follow in line, maybe want to project different, different things. So it, it is interesting when artists are willing to talk quite candidly about how it all works. That's, that's the best thing about having these conversations is that they're very much just conversations. I say interview, but they're, they're just conversations because it's like, it's cool just to sit down and talk about things that you, you might not get a chance to talk about with other people. You know, people might not ask you these kind of questions. So, you know, it's cool. It's something I love to do, clearly. I wasn't doing it, but yeah. Um, anyways, so what kind of skills do you need to have as an artist? In terms of producing work, I guess it really depends on on you know what your what your standard is. So I wouldn't like to speculate about you know what type of like actual technical skills yeah. that you would need. My my body of work has a very specific skill yeah. set, but it would be different different artists. But the things that artists I think really need, I think resilience is a really big one. Um, it's something that I've I've you know taken some steps to improve on. You, you're going to get uh, knocks and setbacks. You know. Um, uh, you'll get rejections from galleries and competitions uh, buyers who seem like potential buyers who seem really interested or pull out at last minute like all these things are going to happen you need to uh, find a way to kind of stay motivated and not be deflate, deflated in situations like yeah. that um I think managing your time is really helpful I am um, I'm quite rigorous in recording how long paintings take me so I can project plan for bodies of work and things like that I, I, I think it's helpful um and um I guess like balancing like a varied workload like if you're going to do it full-time you have to split your time between actually making work um and then kind of the 
promotion and business aspects of what you need to do. So yeah, I guess switching between those different roles. Yeah, actually, that's uh, a nice segue actually into the idea of like, why do you think there is a like a lack of business education for artists or kind of the idea of like marketing and promotioning your work? Because you can create work forever, but unless you're promoting it and you're marketing it, you're not going to get any sales. Yeah, I, I mean, if you're thinking about why that is, I mean, it's it's definitely been a been a bugbear for me. So I I was working in administration at um at two different arts universities like during during my time doing that, and I mean, I actually had a conversation with with someone who was employed as a full time art lecturer. And their their take on it was just that they that shouldn't be covered in an art curriculum at all. And I just thought it was bizarre. incredibly naive. You're not preparing, or yeah. you're preparing a very limited portion of your students who don't need to rely on on actually making money from their work. Um, so yeah, that was something that I actually disagreed with. Really, yeah, uh, quite quite poignantly, I suppose. Um, and I wouldn't like to try and determine the reason for that. I suppose. I just think it's. It's surprising, in fact, actually, I think, like just how, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, with a couple of Google searches, you can probably find the information you need. But I, I personally feel like maybe it's just me, but I personally feel like that information is not as readily available as, say, people's painting techniques or people's speed edits or, you know, reels of people with their work. You know, it's not as readily available. And I kind of feel like it's not something that's really discussed amongst artists in terms of like the no. business side of art. And I feel like, that's something that, again, I guess, actually, maybe that's something that I could actually work on in terms of bringing to the forefront. But I think it's just a conversation I feel like we need to have as artists, as like kind of a, a bigger, wider conversation, because how are you meant to progress and how are you meant to actually kind of reach, you know, your aspirations if you don't know how to do things? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I think by not providing that, you're, you're kind of setting artists like like early career artists, particularly aren't as like well connected to a wider network, setting them up for exploitation. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of, I, I mean, I've been approached by several of these in the, the time that I've been doing it, but these, these, um, these like mentoring schemes that charge an absolute exorbitant amount, like their, their hourly rate is, is hundreds yeah. of pounds. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think also it's just a case of, I don't know, it's just like, actually, I guess it leads into the next question, actually. It's like, so the next question is, and I'm going to. I'll tell you the question and I'll move on from that. The question is about kind of art and society and like, do you feel like society undervalues art? But I guess in a way, like it shouldn't be that artists are like easy pickings for people just because they may not be, you know, the most, um, it's not the most lucrative career necessarily. That doesn't mean that people should be picking on artists and being like, oh, cool, I can exploit them for money because, you know, they're not selling work or whatever. But like, so I guess it kind of leads into the next question, which is, do you think that society undervalues artists? I'm really, I, I read this in our prep notes and I was really, really torn on it. And I still haven't quite reached kind of a mental conclusion. The, the thing is, you know, on a, on a, on a very like practical level, um, you know, we, we artists produce, you know, beautiful, hopefully like emotionally evocative things. That, but at the end of the, of the day, things that don't serve a practical purpose, um, and I, I, as much as I hate undermining my own skill set, I, I do think, you know, that there's, there is a reason why that shouldn't be valued, you know, as highly as, as you know, perhaps people who work in medicine and things like that. I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been quite 
lucky I suppose with the attitudes that I've kind of come up against when I've actually told people what I'm doing um perhaps if I'd you know perhaps if my experiences have been differently maybe I would would answer quite strongly yes to your question but I, I think perhaps uh, things aren't misplaced right now that's a very good answer because to be fair when I asked that question I've just realized after like that's actually quite probably a dangerous question to ask somebody <laughs> because yeah it depends on the way you answer that it could really kind of I wouldn't not backfire but I, I don't know maybe maybe I don't know about that question I said I like that question I think it's a great question but I don't know if maybe I think some interesting responses yeah um, yeah but then I don't want people to feel like they're undermining their own work and what they're doing because then they're like what you're doing is serving a purpose to you even if it's not necessarily a practical purpose to everybody else it is still also serving yourself and I don't want people to maybe feel like oh no I'm just going to say that I undervalued and realize I'm undervaluing myself you know that kind of thing but hey we'll see um hey, actually I'll add into my notes you know we'll see um so do you think that being an artist gives you a different perspective on the world I think you have more time um, to examine things and to be introspective about things than possibly quite a lot of other careers. Um, I find like when I'm kind of doing my my best painting, I kind of get into this, this kind of meditative state where like I, I can be very focused on like the actual application of the paint, but I'm kind of thinking about other things or I, or like in the, I have to take points where I kind of step away from the work and like look at it and think about what it needs. But I often find myself thinking about quite a, quite strange, strange things. Um, so, and yeah, so I, I think it possibly has had quite a different, different impact. And then I think the other thing um, where I've, I've just developed quite a different outlook on life to a lot of people I sort of seem to speak to is, is that I, um, I understood quite early on that I was going to make quite, significant financial sacrifices in order to do this I mean the I spoke about that period of time where I was putting myself through art school on a part-time salary I started cutting my own hair which I still do I only buy secondhand clothing which I still do I became a vegetarian because it was cheaper um you know and, and um not a lot of people that I speak to are willing to do things like that for yeah anything really so I think it's I, it's I mean it's sometimes I wish you know I, I uh, didn't have this interest in things and I could just have a slightly more kind of different uh, way of life but I, I guess I'm very lucky to kind of feel so strongly about something that I'm willing to do that as well that's interesting actually that's a very interesting kind of consideration and just the way you've decided to to make a compromise with yourself like you know and be like you know okay I don't need this luxury car or whatever I can make do with whatever I've got and you know that's actually I, comes, I guess it comes back to your idea of resilience like you're making you're setting yourself up for resilience so that if there are moments where you don't sell work it's not going to be a problem because you're outgoing you're making your outgoings as small as possible so that you can get the most money as possible not to, to be rich but just to sustain yourself and I think that's very clever I actually think that's advice for the people who should be doing more of because I think that's actually a really clever idea because at the end of the day, like you've actually stopped and assessed, what do I have? What do I want? What do I need to do to make the two meet? And I think that's so clever, actually. You're right. There's not a lot of people I know who probably do that. A lot of people probably just be like, oh, I didn't sell any work this month. You know, that's annoying. As opposed to being like, okay, cool. What am I going to do to, you know, help progress myself further next month? So I think your mentality and your mindset, I think it's very, 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 very great. And I think actually 
you you being a chooser, you teaching, I think that is definitely the right route for you as well. I think that's really cool. Yeah, and an interesting thing that I kind of have noticed is, is I guess, I guess I started seeing this more during lockdown, but I, I perhaps did see a bit of a, a shift more, like maybe not quite as extreme as I've done it, but more to that way of thinking. You know, I, I felt like I spoke to a lot of people who would, you know, like voluntarily like cut back on hours or perhaps take on a slightly lower paid job to have like a better, um, you know, I guess like work-life balance and things like that. I, and I've also found that that um, probably a lot of like what I what I'm talking about actually weirdly seems to align align quite well with them. Um, you know people who are making like environmentally friendly choices I'm like oh I'm yeah. just kind of doing these yeah. things anyway um but yeah that was something I've kind of noticed over the past two years it's just kind of interesting how being an artist has changed you in that sense like quite literally very much changed you and changed your outlook that's very interesting I think because it's definitely not something that I think it's not definitely not something I've discussed before and it's definitely not something that I've heard people talk about often in terms of like oh these are the sacrifices I actually make to do what I want and it's like you know, it kind of says to me that, you know, you're very serious about what you do because like at the end of the day, like, you know, you've got, you've got to figure it out enough that, you know, you're happy with what you're doing, but it's like, you know what you're doing, which is interesting because not a lot of people do. So that's very, very interesting. Thanks. So my next question is, um, can anybody be an artist? I think you have to get obsessed with things to, if you, if you want to be an artist, I, my big paintings, um, that I do, can take me a hundred hours plus. Um, and, you know, it's very like intense, like observations of like water ripples and things like that. And I, I love the subject, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm quite a skilled painter. There's, there's a range of things that I could choose to paint. But I was, you know, I managed to kind of find a subject that I connected with enough that I could kind of reach that slightly obsessive level. And I, d I don't think every personality has that and I think that would probably hold you back if you just didn't have the ability to like really get focused and lost in something that you're then going to make work about um yeah I think that's probably quite an important component to it that not everyone everyone can do yeah I think it's a it's a very polarizing question because people can either take that very much as face value as like yes or no or they can really think about it and think you know what is what does it mean to be an artist Do you know what is art you know, it opens up kind of a lot more broader, wider discussions about kind of, you know, how we react to art on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, just something I like to ask people. I think it's super fun because, you know, it's always, always interesting to get an artist's take on art because it's something that you're both involved in, but also you're very much surrounded by. Like you're a consumer and also a creator of art as an artist. And it's kind of interesting to figure out how you kind of place yourself within that realm. Um, I don't know. I think of these questions, I write them down, I ask people, that's all I do. <laughs> So great. Uh, segues very nicely actually into the next section, which is about your work. So um, can you please describe your work for those who may not have seen it? Okay. Um, so I'm a I'm an oil painter and I paint almost completely exclusively uh, water or people in water. Um, my work has been described as photorealist in style. I, I don't know if that's quite true. I, I feel like I'm kind of at this kind of interesting, um, I guess almost kind of like a like a sweet spot where I'm interested in photorealism as a technique, uh, but I don't think my work 
quite meets that probably because I'm actually kind of restrained a little bit by my actual technical abilities but I actually think that results in my best pieces I feel like um and I actually I actually take certain steps to stop it becoming too photorealistic in style I I don't uh grid my work or produce preparatory drawings or project it because I actually quite like those kind of like organic little errors in a sense feeding into it and making little changes and it having that kind of organicness about it I suppose um and then I guess in terms of feel without getting into it too much people often describe a lot of my pieces as feeling quite calming and relaxing and often when people have quite an emotional connection to it that's that's kind of the feelings that it evokes um and people often have quite a talk about having a I guess like a visceral reminder of the sensations of being in water and I'm really happy that I'm kind of managing to project some of that onto my viewer so your work is extremely interesting um, and I'm super, super glad that I stumbled across it um, because I don't know there's, there's, there's a lot, there's actually quite a lot to say about it actually. Because when I was writing up these interview notes, I, I, as I always do, have interview notes on one side of the screen, you're working the other side and I look at your work and type them up. And I don't know, I was just, I was just kind of looking at your work and being like, there's actually quite a lot of different, your work is very ambiguous. Um, and that's what I really like about it. There's a lot of different layers to it. Um, just, you know, especially from like, just starting off the top of what you just said, like it's definitely from the idea of realism. Like, cause the one thing that I really love is I love work that sits in between the abstract and the real. That's not quite either. And your work is perfectly that. Like, like a lot of people I speak to, your work is perfectly that. So the idea that like you're creating imagery that might be to do with real life, but it's also not to do with real life. Real life is really interesting because I think reality and art is something that I'm, I'm personally very fascinated about. And there's something about like, but like, do you consider like your work to be a reflection of real life or do you consider it to be like its own reality? Wow. That's, that's a, that is a really interesting question. Um, I suppose I would like it to be a reflection of a tiny part of real life. Um, you know, when I, so I do work quite closely from photographs and I always um, either take the photographs myself or I'm the model in them and I give them oh, some wow. quite specific guidance on how to do it. Um, but I, I, tr I, I think it's actually been one of the, one of the things that's allowed me to like really connect with them. I am, um, I kind of let my shoots happen quite organically. Um, and one of the, one of the things that I really like is um, I found, you know, like, I've tried taking photos of people before, I guess, you know, as, as like when I was working out what kind of art I wanted to make, I would, you know, pose people for photos to, to make paintings from. And people become very um, unnatural when they're, you know, being yeah. photographed. Yeah. But one thing that I love about what I do is when you put people in water, um, and particularly when you play around with submerging them and things like that, they become very natural. And I guess life kind of gets distilled down into just this, this, you know this balance of keeping a breath and rising to the surface and drawing breath and a lot of these other things kind of fall away and your subjects become very um it, it just feels very real I suppose so I, I know it's not I know you know not all of life is like that it's just these tiny little moments but I think it's a that all feels quite a yeah real I guess so I guess your work is very poetic I think 
Well, that's lovely. Thank you. Because no, you'd saying that, I was thinking like bee work is very precious because it's like water. Water is like a life giver. It can also take life away. You know, it's all very kind of, um, it, it sits very nicely on a lot of dualities. And I think, you know, even the idea of like light and shadow when kind of the abstraction of the real and, you know, just there's like so much interesting kind of discourse and kind of different ideas and ways you can even like expand your ideas and your thoughts and your opinions. So yeah, so talking about your work being poetic, um, I'm kind of just actually really curious, like where did the desire to create come from? And uh, kind of like, how has your upbringing impacted the work you make? Gosh, um, I can't remember a time when I didn't want to draw things. I, I really can't. Um, my my father was is a, a painter and decorator. Wow. Um, so not uh, it's not creative in a sense, but I I think like probably one of my like early memories was like practicing drawing doodles with my dad, um, and and yeah no just like from very very young I just I just wanted to pick up things that would make marks and make marks with them, um, so yeah I, cu- I couldn't tell you where it kind of came from specifically, um, and it was it was probably I probably was. I was very young, actually. I, it was in um, like infants in primary school when I kind of drew something, and everyone, like, you know, the teacher and everyone in the class was like, "Whoa, that's good." Um, and then I think again, this is a terrible yeah. theme of things coming from external validation sources, but I think that felt yeah. encouraging, and then it made me want to keep doing it even more. Um, no, I, yeah, really, a really annoying, precocious child. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think the way you are made to feel as a child impacts the way you be as an adult. You know, like if you're always taught or always told that your work is amazing as a child, you're going to grow up thinking that, you know, what you're doing is valuable as opposed to vice versa. If people tell you what you do is, you know, not that great, you're not going to want to do it and pursue it. You know, I think once you get into the adult world of, you know, commerce and trying to make a living of what you're doing, I think things change a lot in terms of your own opinions about what you do. Like as a child, we all have that kind of open mind and kind of innocence of like people really love what you do or they don't you know it's very black and white but when you're an adult obviously realize there's a lot of different kind of colors in that spectrum in terms of like why people say certain things and why people do certain things and if what you do is good to yourself just should it really matter if it's good to anybody else you know but then if you want to make money it very much should do you know it's a it's a tricky a tricky balance to to kind of have i guess um but i wanted to ask you so obviously we've we've kind of discussed your work in terms quite loosely I'd say like in terms of like water is kind of the main kind of topic you explore but like are there any of the kind of underlying themes these all sound like puns and they're not it's great um are there any kind of like underlying themes or any kind of real um just like conversations and discourses that you would like to have so there are there are definitely a few things I'm thinking about when I'm painting and making water and I'm they definitely don't all come through to the to the viewer um and definitely like probably not all at the same time and probably not to everyone maybe to some people I'm, I and I'm, I'm quite happy with that I'm quite happy with the work being quite um ambiguous and a little bit nebulous and things and that's that's fine um but I feel like uh we should discuss some of those yeah 100%. Um, sure um so I guess a lot of actually the, the work that I create on a very uh, private level is probably quite um, quite impacted um, because I'm a, a 
I experienced sexual assault a few years ago and it creates a very um I, so I like that my work's quite interested about the human body because you can have quite complicated feelings about that after that experience so that was kind of a I think making some of the art that I make was actually a way of working through that um another thing that again I, I'm really I'm quite quite content that this isn't immediately obvious, although some people do strangely connect with it. Um, when I first started making the work that I do, putting water and putting people in water, I think I'd, um, I'd felt quite angry about what had happened for quite, actually quite a long time. It, it happened in my final year of university, so it was, it was a few years on from that. And actually when I, um, when I started making this kind of work, it was probably it nicely tied up with I guess just being ready to kind of let go of those kind of feelings of anger. And that's kind of when this work started happening. Um, so I'm not sure if, if one kind of led into another or they just correlated, but that definitely impacted on it. And I quite like, I think when you talk about creators being angry and potentially female creators even more so, you, you expect there's maybe an expectation about what that kind of output is going to be whereas a lot of my work you know people describe it as being like quite calming and quite soothing and that probably isn't what you would expect as a result of all those kinds of feelings and I actually quite like that it's a bit unexpected in that in that way. I kind of wonder if your work is like a reflection of your mental state now being calm and serene about the past but it's almost like the people sinking to the bottom of the pool of the past and you're the observer watching it and kind of, you know, uh, sink into the depths. Yeah, I think there's something to do with that. And and I am, um, I was quite happy, I guess, I guess this is in kind of like late 2018, 2019. Um, I very much felt like that's what the work was about. Um, you know, that kind of like sense of like letting go, but I didn't really talk about it with people. Of course, yeah. yeah um, me about it I would talk about and, and this you know I think this is this is equally true about kind of what's going on with it but I would talk about um ideas of impermanence and I mentioned this really briefly at the start of our, our interview about um being really interested with water because it captured that very singular precise moment and and that really is part of a big big source of my fascination as well but I was I guess I got quite wrapped up in that idea and it made me kind of think more broadly about like time and the fact that time is always passing and you kind of can't return to things. And it that's for me connected to this idea that you have to just like let go of these things and, and I guess embrace a kind of apathy, I suppose. Um, that sounds very strange. No, no, that's fascinating. And you just said like you can't return. Like that's a really interesting way to look at it because it makes me think of like, the way in which water actually moves like it always moves in a certain way in a certain rhythm and like stuff like the sea is slowly eroding the earth that kind of thing like the idea of like you can't really go back once things have set into motion you know it's, that's really interesting actually that's why i said your work is very fascinating there's a lot of like interesting discourse in terms of like the ways it can be read um that's yeah that's really interesting and i think the thing about your work though is that like i kind of personally don't want people just to look at it and be like oh this is a, a nicely well-painted you know picture of somebody in water because I feel like that really distills the actual kind of beauty and the charm and the kind of just ideas and thoughts that you have because when I first saw your work I was like okay this is technically really good like because that one thing actually let's get into that a bit but like the one thing that I'm really conscious of is that your work is technically very good because your work 
serves the purpose meant to serve, which is it looks somewhat realistic, but you it, it looks like just visually it's they're very strong images, you know. Um, can you talk a bit about kind of like finding your technique? I know this wasn't actually on the list, but I just thought about it now. But like finding your technique and kind of how you came about deciding, okay, this is the kind of type of art I'm gonna create. Um let me think. I I could naturally draw very well from quite an early age. And I think that influenced how I painted. Um, you know, I was, for, for a lot of my life, I was interested in making things look as much like things from real life as I could. And that definitely carried over into the work I make now. Um, I... I mean, a lot of the first paintings that I was I was producing as you know this period where I started kind of thinking of myself as a professional artist, they were very very tight and controlled. Um, you know, and and still some of the work I make now um, is and it's, it's you know it uses these tiny little precise brushes and it's all about kind of capturing these intricate details. And I, I think I was quite interested in the beat. You know, I was. I want there to be a lot of complexity in the work, a lot of, you know, kind of deeply built up layers of kind of pattern and detail. Um, I'm perhaps becoming a little bit looser now. I, I'd still, I'm still probably relatively controlled compared to a lot of painters out there. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely experimenting a little bit with some looser, looser mark making. Um, I suppose I started first playing around with oil paint. I would have been about 16 years old. So yeah, just over a decade uh, experimenting with that. Um, but I just I just loved it um, from, from day one, but it just the way it kind of stays wet <laughs> so long and you have so much time to kind of kind of work into things. Um, yeah, so that's probably in terms of technical stuff what kind of fed into it because the thing that i find very interesting is that like as an artist you can create anything you want but you don't you choose to create the specific thing that you're currently doing it's like like how did you get to that like why is that important to you i think it's it's a good question to ask yourself because i feel like you can become really wrapped up in creating work because you create it just because you create it because you like creating it you don't really think about why you're creating it and it's like well like kind of where the thoughts and ideas and interests come from because it's just like and again, we'll get into it definitely later with the social media section and kind of commodity and kind of commercialization. But, you know, if you want to be an artist who's going to create work that's going to create work for themselves, it's not going to do the same things if you're creating work for other people. So I don't know. I'm just always fascinated by why people are interested in creating the work they create because, you know, it also goes back to the idea of like anyone can be an artist. It's like, yeah, sure, anyone can be an artist, but not everyone's going to create what you're creating because you're creating it. I do feel very lucky, and I actually think about this quite a lot. The if I could paint anything, it would be what I'm making now. Um, and this, this this interest with water, it's, it's really been around for quite a long time. I mean, I am um, I was in a very strange situation in secondary school. I got put in for an early art GCSE, so I would have been eleven years old, I think. Wow. Um, and I started taking my eleven eleven or twelve around that kind of age. Um, and I started taking my first art GCSE, and it was it was all water even back then. Um, and I I think it was partly about like the technical challenge of it. It, it is difficult. Yeah, to paint. of course, absolutely. Um, 
but like the the painters that I mean I, I got obsessed with the pre-Raphaelites and all those kind of Athena images um and I think I was and I'm less interested in it now um but I think I was just looking for like ways into that subject so it's definitely been knocking around for a really long time I couldn't tell you where it came from um but I know some people do just seems to grab them quite early when when it's water as a subject um I actually I saw a really interesting interview with um uh, Bill Viola the uh installation oh, artist absolutely yeah who, yeah who looks at water yeah. quite a lot as well and he actually said he, he actually made the realization when he was giving an interview to someone but um he got asked about where the interest in water came from and he spoke about this this time when he was a very small child and he he fell he in the yeah yeah, yeah. Almost died, yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, but I, I guess I, I did spend quite a lot of time in, in water as a, like a, as a young child. Um, so I don't know, maybe that kind of fed into it. There was just something appealing about the whole thing. It's just, it's just really fascinating to kind of put on the threads of, of like where your roots are that I actually kind of started this whole process for you to become an artist because I think it's one thing to say oh yeah I want to be an artist I want to create work but it's another thing to actually figure out and understand what you're creating and what impact it has yeah on other people but also on you as a person I think it's not as easily defined as just yeah I create a really cool image here it is because your images your images are cool but it's not they're not about being cool you know it's not just like oh here's a really well technique you know because I think the one issue with photorealism in my opinion this is just very much my opinion is that it's a bit too perfect you know it's like it, it it's so perfect it's a bit too perfect you know it goes into the hyper real you know real than real category which is cool in many respects but it actually leads into a question that i'm going to ask you which is you know you said that you paint from photographs which is super interesting and i was hoping you'd say that because my question for you is what does a piece of art or a painting do that a photograph doesn't so I mean, my, my experience will be different to other people's, but I, I recently went to see an exhibition in London um, of this painter, uh, Mitch Griffiths, so I've been following online for quite a while. And I, I mean, I, I do always find it very, you know, when, when you watch, you know, even like a, like a sports person or performer and you can tell that the, the, the level of dedication they've had to put into something to achieve the results that they're getting. I always find that a very inspiring process, but I suppose, when I when it's an artist, I feel it even more, you know, like very viscerally. But I, I just, you know, I, I very much went there because I was like, right, okay, I want to learn uh, what Mitch Griffiths is doing. You know, like what can I, in terms of skills, what can I take yeah. away from examining these paintings? I really wanted to be very kind of mercurial, I suppose, in a way about about attending the exhibition. But I went in and I just found myself just kind of sitting in front of me, just feeling like incredibly moved by the dedication it must take to create images like that and I just you know like paintings like that you it, I guess it goes back to that level of obsession that I was talking about you have to really love the thing that you're you know the, the thing you're making and what you're working from and, and get really really wrapped up in it and I'm not saying that you can't create really inspiring photographs. You know, there are some photographs that I think are amazing and I'm sure photographers get lost in their process in the same way, but it's it's a much more instantaneous process um, than painting. And I think for, for me, that's something really important that paintings do. Um, but there's just that 
And yeah, I suppose I do get that with photorealistic work too, because I look at it and I do think about, you know, all that time and obsession that's gone into it and, and that that affects my perception of it as a viewer. But in terms of just how it looks and not the time taken, I, yeah, I think there's something interesting about kind of, I guess I talk about it as like the organicness of it. I mean, I, I like... We're living in a world where things are increasingly being made by first machines and then determined by algorithms algorithms and everything's predicted and controlled. Um, and I think there's something really interesting about, you know, I guess almost like the little errors that happen in painting, the fact that you have these kind of human slip-ups that lead to like the final outcome. So I think that's that's part of what I find interesting in paintings as opposed to the mediums yeah because the thing is i think is because at least from my opinion or at least the few people have asked it's because painting is physical and i think that actually is very very important nowadays because as you said you know everything is primarily digital nowadays you know we even now we're communicating digitally you know it, yeah. it's kind of like we've kind of given ourselves over to the machines and i think painting is one of those actually very few things that has not become digitalized and will never be digitalized in the same way as anything else. That like you can't digitalize a painting, but you can't create. I mean, obviously, digital art, of course, but that's a whole separate category, a whole separate kind of uh, industry, really. Um, so I think that's also probably a really good kind of reason why people are, you know, very much interested in art and creating paintings as opposed to just a photograph. But you know, I'm a photographer myself, so I find that a question very, very interesting to ask people because it always makes me think about. You know, why do I take pictures and not paint? You know, it's very interesting. Um, also, the, the skills needed. No, oh, no, 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 no. That's why I love it. It's, it's really interesting. I find it really fascinating because I always find it interesting that people choose to paint from photographs. And I'm just like, but why don't use a photograph? You know, for me, like, it's just, it seems very simple to me. But then obviously you have your own reason. So, you know, why do I know? I don't know anything. All right. So, <laughs> so getting back into your work slightly. So, okay. so getting back into the aesthetics of your images. So, I'm kind of fascinated because you said you're interested in water. Yeah, you also have the human element there. And I'm kind of curious, like, what is it about the figurative element of your work that kind of keeps you inspired to create as opposed to just creating images of just water or just ripples? So there's, diff there's different things to it. So I think we touched on this a little bit earlier, but I think part of it is the kind of naturalness that happens when you pose people in water and and um yeah like I guess the kind of sense of pretense kind of falls away so I, I I find it a really interesting setting to put a person in to, take, to then you know use to create art as a source um but I think there's other things about it too um I I like the distortion that happens to the to the the, the figure the human body when you, you play around with it being in water and that kind of um yeah, like the way the form changes and, you know, like facial features get kind of moved around and things. And I, I think, I think there's something kind of that I'm quite interested in about, like we're, we're quite caught up with, you know, the idea of like the ego and, and so many paintings are really, really kind of about, um, you know, about a kind of central figure or a narrative or things. And I kind of like the fact that there's a body, but it's, I guess, looking at like exploring kind of smallness or insignificance in a very strange way. Um, I think that's part of my interest, but I am, um, and I guess maybe it's kind of led on from that, but quite, quite
quite recently so I guess probably within within the past year I suppose I've two things have happened I've started playing around with taking underwater photographs so I got some new kit so that opened up a new um a new like avenue for me and what happens when you take underwater photographs is you get these you get these fascinating kind of reflections the the water surface becomes like this really distorting kind of mirror and the body then gets like projected up onto that and it's it's very strange and really really interesting but I I'm really like I've created some paintings where like the actual the physical figure the actual person is a tiny little portion down in the bottom of it or maybe not even included at all and it's all about that reflection and I really kind of I guess I'm quite interested in the you know, the, the kind of almost like the identity of that person kind of getting stripped away a little bit, but they also become part of this kind of larger environment or their the kind of patterns and their paintings. I guess, yeah, those two things kind of feed together a little bit. And that's part of, yeah, definitely one of the themes that I'm quite interested in in terms of putting people in the water. Yeah, because the, the thing that kind of intrigues me about it is like, with traditional painting where you have a central figure it's very easy to just determine the like the uh, subject viewer dynamic but in your work it's not because the viewer like it's like you almost have to ask yourself like who is the viewer to your work like what role does the viewer play in your work because it's like are we like a bystander watching somebody drowned or are we waiting for somebody to rise up you know are we kind of like you know like who is this person in front of us it raises a lot of questions in terms of like asking yourself who what role you played looking at the work like can you uh, is that something you ever think about I, well maybe in a bit of a strange way because I I okay no I'll talk about the role of the viewer and then there's something else that I feel like yeah. I should mention but no, the role of the viewer oh gosh um I mean I'm very I'm always really pleased when people have either an emotional or, or a visceral response to the work. That makes me feel like I'm doing my, my job well. Um, so I, I, I know some artists, you know, like to make their viewer feel voyeuristic or things like that. And I'm, I definitely don't think I'm trying to achieve anything like that. I mean, the, possibly my favorite ever response to a, to a painting. Someone actually bought one of my pieces in the gallery, but I wasn't, I wasn't involved in that transaction, but she contacted me afterwards. Wow. And um, she said to me um, that, she didn't go into detail, but she just said she was, um, she'd experienced trauma before in her life. And um, she'd taken up like wild swimming as a way of kind oh, of wow. dealing, like, dealing with that. And she said that looking at the painting gave her the exact kind of like feelings of catharsis that the swimming wow. did. And that to me was the, the absolute kind of best response. So for me, it's, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't want the paintings to feel kind of confrontational to the viewer. I'm, I'm, I much prefer them to have some kind of like a therapeutic value, I suppose. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting because I think with the subject and the way you paint it, you know, it's, it's interesting because I feel like people could really much take it or leave it. People could look at it very much face value and be like, oh, this is just a cool painting of, of water because that is in itself very hard to paint well. Um, or they could just be like, oh, this is actually very kind of emotional because there's a your work is very emotionally charged. That's the best way to describe it. Um, because, you know, it could be so many different things from like kind of dark to really light. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I think you've hit like a really nice kind of sweet spot in terms of like creating work that is meaningful, but also universal. I think that's really clever. Whether that's like an, a deliberate intention on your part or not, I think it's definitely going to serve you a lot like a while for the future. But I'm kind of also curious, like where would you, because you're very tied up in this whole theme of water, like what comes next? I think it's going to be water for quite a long time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying, oh yeah, it's jumped something else now, but I'm just saying like, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of really curious. Just like, I mean, to be fair, like, I also kind of, can see loads of different ways your work can evolve over time it's still relating back to water so it's not like it's a theme that you're going to run it you know you're going to uh, get bored of anytime soon but i'm just kind of curious like oh actually i guess the best way to ask you which is not a question on this list but like do you think there is a danger for an artist to tie their work to only to one specific theme yeah no definitely and i i feel like it's i feel like it's dangerous for two reasons one you're probably putting yourself at risk of getting burnt out um, you know, if it's if you start losing interest in the subject or if, if you feel like there's not another facet of it that you can explore. And then more prosaically, I guess, I guess another, you know, danger point to that is um, if people become less interested in the work, you know, tastes do change over time and, you know, are subject to external factors. Um, so I... You know, I hope that people are interested in works about water for quite a long time because I expect I'll be making them for quite a long time. But um, but yeah, I can see why there's sort of dangerous things to that. I mean, I'm I'm trying to. I guess there's a bit of a divide in my body of work because I have some pieces that involve the figure and some that just involve water. So I guess there's a little bit of breadth in terms of that, and hopefully that um helps to alleviate that somewhat. Oh, please don't tell the wrong way. I'm not in any way saying, oh, people can get bored of your work in terms of it. That's not all I'm saying, oh, there really won't be. But I'm just thinking kind of like, obviously right now you must be thinking long-term. So you're thinking like, hey, cool, I'm not going to be doing this forever. I think we forget what we're doing now is we're not going to do what we're doing forever. We're not going to do what we're doing now forever. So I think it's worth considering, okay, how am I going to evolve this? How this is going to grow in the future? And I'm just curious, like, as opposed, as opposed to like, you know, I'm curious as to think, like if you've thought about that and kind of just had ideas about, Actually, this is the theme I'm interested in. You know, what other ways can I kind of um, interpret it, I guess? Sure. I mean, the thing, I'll, I'll kind of, we've spoken about a few different things that I'm thinking about, I guess, when I'm painting water and, like, facets that I feel like I've explored a little bit. I guess I should probably talk about timescale a little bit. I, I can pick up on this act like you know something that feels like a bit of a new idea about water and that can occupy me for like probably about a year really wow. so okay. it's quite a, okay. quite a long maybe that'll maybe that'll start speeding up and actually it probably has done a little bit but um definitely I felt like the first few paintings that I was making and you know they they were a slower process this is you know back when I was earlier on I suppose but it was very much about that kind of sort of um like like these kind of ideas of like letting go of anger and things like that and that that very much was the idea like the theme behind it that I was thinking about and I think some of it's kind of moved on a little bit or I'll find like um this idea of like the the, the breaking down of the individual that kind of happened only I guess relatively recently and I'll I'll probably continue to have sort of different things that I'm thinking about and that leads me to stay very interested in the subject I suppose. So 
there's an artist i don't know if you saw the bottom of the list there's an artist i'm going to send you i don't know if you actually looked at any of their work um but there's an artist on that list called Elisa Monks, and she's a really phenomenal painting do you know her work yes very oh, very well I, th- I had a feeling you might because i had her as a listener i was like you probably know her work but her work is absolutely gorgeous but i, I was listening to a podcast with her um i believe it was the art grind podcast i may have got that wrong I think it was either art grind, it was either art grind or artist decoded. I think it was art grind. Anyway, it doesn't matter what grind it was. Yeah, perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, it was that one. Um, but she was talking about in terms of like she creates a certain kind of style of work and people know her for it. And it's very hard for her to then move to something else because people always want that kind of type of work. And it's like, is that something you've ever thought about in terms of like, obviously you're going to do this for a long time, but you're not going to be stuck to one style or one particular kind of people in water all the time and is that is that something that you're thinking about now or is that something you're thinking about thinking in the future I guess something I kind of hope happens you know I hope stylistically I do change and develop and maybe it's just starting see I I am definitely becoming a little bit looser with some of my mark making um but I mean so I've I've been following this since I was about 16 years old but I think that's about when I found her work so I've, I've been and I have been very interested in, you know, in how it's progressed. You know, she was quite a, she was very much described as a photorealistic painter yeah. um, early on in her career. And then her work over the past few years has involved that kind of layering technique and those very, like, um, almost kind of impasto paint application that she's been doing. And I was quite thrilled to see that. I, you know, I found it really interesting. And you can see how some of the themes um, early on in her career have fed into those later pieces you know I think that the idea of layering and those um those kind of uh, shower scenes that she did early has bears a similarity to it I mean I I I can see you know why there would be pressure to keep you know making work that works I suppose but I for me I just found it really interesting to see how that, that there's been kind of a journey to what she's creating and I, I would hope that other people would find the same if my work kind of developed and changed of what I hope will be the years. No, it definitely will be over the years. And I think that's the best thing is that you've got yourself set up in a, a nice position where you have an idea what you're doing and you're enjoying what you're doing, which is actually the most vital part about being an artist is actually enjoying what you're doing. But I guess, of course, you know, there's finances to consider. Yes, of course, you have to think about real life, you know, but kind of beyond that, you're actually engaged with what you're doing. And I think that's really kind of, the start of a successful artist's career, in my opinion, because you know if you're not enjoying what you're creating, you're not going to want to do it. Whether you're making millions of pounds from it or not, you know it's not really going to like just make you feel good. So I think that's really important. Um, an interesting thing you said earlier was about Ophelia and the idea of like images of females, and that's what I want to talk to you about because most of your work are women in water, and I'm kind of curious, like, like is there a reason for that? It's it's actually something that I kind of, I sort of would like to veer away from, but I, I do feel like this, images of women in water are quite, I guess, a little bit ubiquitous in Western art at least, um, and I think there is, there is always something maybe comforting in the familiar so maybe that that's why it partly just felt slightly more natural uh photographing women um part of it again is actually just down to to practicalities so um yeah. i spoke about um 
I spoke about the kind of period where I first started making work that I was I was really happy with and I was I was making a lot of that work uh, during the first lockdown and just before that lockdown I I was incredibly fortunate I saved up for a while and I, I kind of one of the reasons I allowed myself to go is I was, I was like I'll be able to get some really good shots whilst I'm out there um for art but I took a three-week backpacking trip to Colombia with a really good Bye-bye. friend it, yeah which was lovely but very jarring to come straight back from that and then into like the lockdown UK it was a very yeah odd odd time um but a lot of like a lot of my pieces of work featured feature her just because she was there she was the person around um I think as well um possibly as I was I I think I'd be more comfortable now photographing people that I don't know or don't know as well. And that's something that's started to happen over the past, I guess, like three years. Um, But when I was first trying it out, the people that I was photographing were people that I just felt very close with and very comfortable with. And I guess for me, um, more of those people were female, I I suppose, really, yeah. Because I just think it's really fascinating for actually a lot of different reasons, but I'm kind of also curious. I do think there is a difference in the way that men and women are portrayed through art. Definitely, a hundred percent. And it's 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 quite a thorny issue for me. I have mixed feelings oh, about <laughs> it. Um, so have you read? Um, I'm gonna I'm probably gonna misquote this because I'm under feeling slightly under pressure. Uh, John John Berger's web scene. Of course, yes. Um, yes, of course, yeah. Um, make some really really interesting points about it and I don't think he's wrong at all um I think you know the female body has been displayed for a predominantly male audience and you know I guess to provide almost a kind of visual service to cater to that to that intended viewer um and I felt quite uncomfortable about my work feeding into that yeah and it, it has been a point of tension for me. And it's, it's been something that I've kind of wanted to, to work against. And I, I try and incorporate some male bodies into, into my work, I guess, almost as an attempt to even out and also just to sort of see what happened when I did that. It's, it's definitely something that I want to, yeah, continue to sort of play around with. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm very interested in when other artists do that. Um, have you... Uh, seen any work by uh, Kalida Garcia Rawls? I don't believe so. No, she's incredible. Really, really, really interesting. And doing, and she paints. Um, she's actually an acrylic painter, but she does some actually really massive scale uh, bodies in water kind of paintings. But she's done a um, her latest series was all of male figures, and she's written some quite interesting things about that. That I would. I'm not going to try and paraphrase because I just don't feel like I'll do them justice. But um, definitely send me her work. Because mm. I'm just very interested in the kind of the idea of the ideal subject. Because I feel like sometimes, in my opinion, probably just as a man, I feel like painting images of women is kind of guaranteed success in that respect, or like it's guaranteed to get eyes on your work in a different kind of way as if you were to paint images of men. Maybe that's just my bias personally, but it's just something I'm kind of conscious of. I think there's something I. I, I... I think you're kind of trying to be a bit diplomatic about uh, yeah, of course. What, you're trying, you know, what you're trying to word. And there's definitely some tr- some truth in what you're saying. And I, I really want to kind of consciously not lean into that too yeah. much. I think one of the one of the things that I'm quite interested in with water 
I'm trying to word this. I'm really trying to word this accurately. So I spoke about how people become more natural when you pose them in water. And I, I think people are kind of reduced down to the very, you know, like physical like needs and limits of, of the body, you know. And yeah. when you put people in the water, that, that's a limited finite lungful of air that you have to kind of like navigate with. And in a sense, the body kind of gets reduced down to this this kind of almost like mechanical thing, you know, that has that has like you know like needs oxygen and things like that. And and I'm I'm really interested in that the you know the things that kind of like fall away when you put someone in water. And I kind of hope that um, by playing with that, some of the elements that have allowed paintings of women to serve a kind of like titillation. Um, are reduced I guess it is part of what my aim is yeah because I feel like if you were to play into the whole male gaze and kind of try to get quote-unquote more exposure for your work or kind of like kind of more say controversial or more kind of um I guess titillating work you'd have your you know your figures nude for instance but they're not they're clothed and I think that plays a huge role in kind of like the line you're drawing in terms of like what you are willing to accept people to see your work as and also the view of that seizure work as opposed to it being like you know sometimes like you know female news for instance you know people just create them because they're popular because they'll get views because people are interested you know not because they actually have any particular meaning to them obviously there mm-hmm. are many artists who do it great and actually have depth to their work but sometimes they don't and i think if you're creating images of women i think that is something you really have to kind of square with yourself in terms of like are you actually just limiting the way people see women or are you actually extending that kind of viewpoint? So it's, it's interesting that we started speaking about nudes because it's probably something, <laughs> it's probably something that um, I'm going to explore in the not too distant future. It seems like um, a natural progression, I would say. It does, yes. Yeah, I think it does. I think it's part of, um, it seems like an easy step. It, I don't think it's something I would have done when I was quite, when I was when I first started thinking of myself as an artist, I felt quite out of my depth uh, with photography, and it's definitely yeah. not something that I I wouldn't have been comfortable incorporating that element into it from the photography side of things early on. Um, what happened? So a lot of my new paintings um, have all come from. I'm not I'm not really in a situation where I can take full on inspiration trips that are all that art. I have to dovetail it in with something else. Oh, yeah. I was very um a group of a group of close personal friends wanted to do a holiday to Croatia and I was like this will be just what I need um and most of them were very willing to sort of be in photographs for me so I really made it kind of a a priority for that trip for me and I got some really results that I'm really really happy with and a lot of my newer paintings come from that that photography series but what happened on on one day was um I'd um I'd been taking some photos kind of throughout the daytime and it kind of got to evening time and um we were actually on a on a, on a on a boat in Croatia and I'd I knew I probably had a very good opportunity to get photographs of people in the sea on this specific day and we were coming to the end of the day you know we were probably on the in the last kind of half an hour that we were going to be on the water um and I just kind of said I was like oh you know I'm, I'm worried I've maybe not um not got enough of like like not got enough of the opportunity and now the boat's just kind of taking us back to this port and my friend was like ask them if they'll do one more stop I bet they will like we'll all get in the water for you again like that's you know go for it so I did 
and then the, boat, the people on the boat were like yeah okay yeah we'll stop in about 15 minutes just like you know be quite quick with it and um the thing that I have noticed is I like perhaps just in that environment it was a it was a big there were about 10 people it was pretty much an even gender mix and the girls were just far more up for being in photos at this kind of given point I think maybe everyone had dried off and but um yeah so all all the I guess it was me and four other four of my girlfriends um and they were all like yeah yeah we'll get back in the water and they were like we've not got much time what kind of like what do you want us to do so we can like get the shots for you very helpful I've got a very yeah very nice group of friends who are actually really supportive about all all this stuff um and I showed them some really quickly some paintings by uh do you know Risha Perlmutter? Okay so she's a um she's again another artist who paints water and she she exclusively paints no actually no no there's been a couple of exceptions but very predominantly paints women probably more so than I do um and what we were kind of talking about earlier perhaps she does lean into that a little bit more with her work I'm not saying it's not doing other very interesting things but I think there's perhaps more of that element and a lot of her work features nudes and I just showed these photos to um my my models I suppose as a bit of inspiration and they're like oh do you want us to like do do you want us to like for it and I was like you absolutely do not have to like just do what you feel comfortable yeah. with and they all just went for it um which was interesting um and again for me I'm quite um I don't like making people feel uncomfortable I yeah, really really don't like that and I think that would like poorly affect the the photographs that I would have taken um so yeah, I got I got a lot of quite interesting shots from that actually, and I I was very happy that I'd managed to kind of foster that level of like confidence. And weirdly, everyone felt like very kind of like happy and very yeah. like, relaxed afterwards, which was great. Um, but I took quite I took some really quite interesting shots. But I and I've actually started painting a couple of them, but I've made them quite. I still don't want them to kind of lean into that kind of obviously posed female nude tradition, I suppose. So a lot of them kind of feature like quite dramatic cropped bodies and things going on like that. Um, so yeah, it, that's going to be something to navigate um, over the next few coming months. That concludes the first part of my conversation with Constance Rogatza. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or please get in touch via social media sites such as Instagram and Twitter. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, Apple Music and YouTube. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Also, please check out theflyingfruitworld.co.uk for daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page where tiers start from £1. For £1 a month, you can get rewards such as early access to interviews, behind-the-scenes footage, weekly created YouTube videos, and the chance to ask interview questions on our next podcast. 
If monthly donations are not your thing, we also have a PayPal. The link to that should be in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Flying Through Bowl today. And until next time, folks, please stay safe.